Welcome to the podcast that's focused on everything you need to know to drive your athletic career. Welcome to Eye on the Prize with Dr. Todd Schragen. I'm thrilled to have Rafael Viana on this morning. He's an elite athlete and soccer player and owner of GoTo Soccer, an organization dedicated to training soccer athletes ages four to 14 years old. Good morning, Raf. And uh, I just want to ask you first, what is your background in soccer and the soccer training as well? Well, good morning, Todd. I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm excited uh, to do this with you. So um, my background is, uh, uh, you know, I'm Brazilian, which uh, you're born with a soccer ball at your foot, you know, when you're born in Brazil. Um, my grandfather was a professional soccer player in Brazil, big time professional soccer player, uh, played on the Brazilian national team in the 50s, um, played pro all the way through the 60s. So uh, soccer has been a big, uh, big influence on my family. Uh, when we moved to the States in the 80s, uh, we moved to a town called Harris in New Jersey, which so happens to be the hotbed of soccer, uh, I think, in the United States, uh, arguably. So I played soccer growing up in Harrison. Uh, I played in Harrison High School, won three overall state championships at Harrison High School, um, number one ranked team in the state my junior year, uh, ranked in the country. Um, Harrison has 25 overall state titles, um, the most in the country out of any sport. You can actually check that up. You can look that up. That's a, that's a fact. Um, after playing at Harrison, I played at Fairleigh Dickinson. I was a goalie over at Fairleigh Dickinson in Madison. And I started coaching pretty early. I started coaching when I was a senior in college. I started volunteering at Harrison High. Uh, I was a JV coach. Started as the JV coach uh, when I was 21. I was a young JV coach. And that's really where my, uh, my soccer career, coaching career kind of kicked off. So you've been around soccer your whole life? Been around soccer my whole life. And it's a passion and you love it. You've been around elite soccer players. You understand what it go, what they go through, et cetera. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been around the, a lot of elite soccer players. I've actually trained a couple elite soccer players as well. Um, so, you know, I appreciate the grind these, uh, these athletes put themselves through on a day in and day out basis. What parents want to know, and I know personally I have kids, is how do you navigate finding the correct soccer program as well as once you're in it, how do you know it's the right fit? Well, you know, I think in the last 10 years has been an explosion, right? Of like soccer training organizations, especially in uh, an explosion in like um, in a quote unquote academy teams, right? These, these secondary options for players to go try out at. So I think the sign of a good program is one, it caters to the athletes first, right? I think soccer, like many other youth sports, have become big business, right? And you've lo you lose sight of that your job as a coach is there to help every athlete, not just the elite athletes. Nobody comes into your program as an elite athlete right away or even a great athlete. Your job as a coach is to try to get them as close to possible to, to reaching their potential as you possibly can. Um, and I think a sign of a good program is where they treat uh, all the participants with the same um, – the same way they would treat your top participants. Sure. You know. So then what attributes would you say separate an elite player from the rest of the pack? And is that even appropriate at four to 14 years of age? You know, it's funny that you say that with like the, is it appropriate at four? You know, at the younger ages, here's what separates. I'll tell you exactly what separates kids at younger ages. You know, I actually wrote a, a recommendation the other day for a, a child who's moving out of state. And uh, he's a younger kid, he's four actually. And uh, my recommendation, it said, I was like, it's hard to, you can't measure a child's athletic ability. It's very hard to measure a child's athletic ability at four, five years old. But what you can measure 
is the child's ability to take direction, to listen, to focus, to be involved and engaged. Uh, so at that level, at that age, that's what I'm looking for, right? Uh, if you're a young kid, if you're four or five, you're that preschool age, kindergarten age, simple things we're looking for is, can you follow directions? Um, can you engage in the tasks that are presented to you? And you don't necessarily need to be the best soccer player, but at least you're on your way to being able to handle some of the things that we're throwing your way if you're focused and ready to pay attention. Now, the older you get, it's, I mean, I would say probably right at like eight, nine years old, you can start seeing the kids really kind of pull away from each other. And in these ways, it's not necessarily about private lessons. It's not necessarily about how many programs your parents sign you up to. It's about what you want to do at that age, right? Is the ball always at your foot? Are you going to the beach and are you taking the ball? Are you on vacation and is the ball in your bag? Are you coming home and are you juggling outside your house? You know, without your parents having to tell you, without your parents, you know, dragging you into the car and then taking you to a private lesson that you don't want to be at. A lot of times the kids that are going to differentiate themselves are going to do it on their own. So it's a love and a passion that you find even with the younger kids. Oh, yeah, it's a love and a passion. It's the kids always asking for more. And, you know, I've been coaching now. I started, like I said, I started coaching when I was 19. I'm 36 now. And I've been coaching long enough now to where, you know, I've had kids in the past come up to me and and ask for extra work and ask for if I had any extra drills for them to do at home or any videos that I can send their and send their way so they can practice on their own. And those kids have panned out to be good soccer players, good high school soccer players, good college soccer players. You know, it always, it, you know, it tends to, the good players, right? They tend to gravitate to hard work on their own. You mm -hmm. know, they, they run on their own. They're not being told when or when not to practice. They're just always are looking to improve themselves and get better. Interesting. And you find that young, is that intangible or is that something the parents can help with or, or the coaches help with? It's in I think it's intangible personally. Yeah. I think coaches can help. I think our job is to try to fester that love for the sport and try to make it grow and try to show them that look with hard work, you can achieve this, but it also comes from within the longer I coach, the more I realize that it's, it's up to the individual player, you know, for the most part, you know, you can, you can try as much as you want as a coach. You can have the best game plan, the best practice plan. But if a player is coming to practice, uh, not engaged, not willing to participate, not willing to try to make themselves better or not willing to push themselves outside of a comfort zone, then no matter what a coach does, that player will never achieve the level that they should achieve. So I know also on that same line is the kids start so young and they're, they're differentiating into sports right away, like uh, soccer all year round. How do you keep the kids from burning out or end also injury? You know, that's, that's a great question, Todd. I mean, more so now than ever, I think the specialization of sports has grown to a point where it's, it's almost unhealthy to a child, I think, right? Like, I, you know, I grew up playing three sports. I grew up playing, I played soccer, I played baseball, I played basketball. Um, you know, I played with my friends, touch football on the street. So I got, exposure to a variety of different sports i think now having exposure to just one sport throughout a, tw a full year i think it's counterproductive i think kids do burn out and i think you get uh, parents you know and, and kids maybe not knowing exactly how to approach these situations and they go too hard too fast they have their kids scheduled you know five times a week for soccer sessions you know two private lessons three uh two team trainings one game on the weekend. And by the time that kid gets to eighth grade, they're burnt out. They're either like you 
either injured, you know, or they are just not interested anymore because they've given up most of their, like, you know, their preteen youth to just dedicating themselves to one sport practices, five, you know, soccer activities, five days a week or whatever sport. By the time they get to high school, they kind of just, they're finished with it. You know, a quick story about a, a player that I, I knew really well, uh, who's in, who happens to be in, actually just graduated college. You know, he played academy his whole life and academy and, and, and town soccer, which people call now, which is still club soccer, but it just, where town soccer is, they pick from the town, right? You're just picking your kids from, let's say, Milburn or Livingston versus regionally. Um, he opted to go academy, this kid, early on, which is you get picked regionally with other kids. Mm-hmm. Higher level, more, like a more practice days, higher level of competition, more exposure to colleges, et cetera. By his senior year, you know, he already had his commitment to school. So he's like, you know, I'm going to go play high school soccer. And all those years of academy, uh, his first week of senior year of high school, he tore his ACL because he had put so much damage and so much time and pressure on his body over the years where he was playing soccer every single day that by the time he got to high school, he was kind of broken down already. Sure. So you start to see injuries develop later on in kids um, as they get older, the kids that have played a significant amount of time as they were younger and didn't give themselves a little bit of a rest period in between where, you know, it doesn't really impact them in a positive way. Now, do you, I know I saw some stuff on you, obviously, I, I, I know you. Um, did you, do you do some strength training as well with your, with your athletes? Yes. Uh, personally, I, I love to strength train, you know, myself. I think it's an important uh, quality that I think all athletes should possess, right? I think strength training, uh, aside from just making you stronger and aside from helping you avoid injury, I think strength training has a incredible, incredible benefit to mental toughness, right? I think when you get up and you, you, you work out when you don't want to, when you get up and go for a run when you don't want to, I think that it develops some type of mental callus that helps these athletes push through tough moments, whether it's on the field, whether it's in practice, whether it's pushing through an injury and, you know, their sideline and, you know, that's where your mind kind of takes over and keeping you strong. So I do incorporate uh, strength training with my athletes. We do a lot of lunges, a lot of body work, like a lot of uh, body workouts, push-ups, sit-ups, um, calisthenics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very little weights. We, uh, we keep very little weights in the facility. Uh, we kind of just keep that more toward the older athletes. Mm-hmm. But um, we always incorporate dynamic stretches with our younger ones to make sure that they understand the importance of that. Um, and we, all, we emphasize the importance, like I said, of working out on your own as well, because, you know, what you do behind closed doors is also important. So then to, to wrap it up, what would you say would be the three most important things for uh, a parent and a student athlete navigating through youth sports all the way through college or? I love this question, man. I love this question. Well, for parents, sometimes as a parent, I think uh, you want your child to perform at his best or her best uh, possible ability. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean playing time, right? I think sometimes you need to sit back and realize what's best for your child and trust the process of practice, of working hard, of that uh, your child's time will come with hard work and you know with good work ethic. Um, their time will come to show their showcase yourself themselves uh, what, on whatever field uh, that they play on, whether it's a soccer field, a football field, a basketball court, whatever. Um, 
think my main message to parents is be patient. Allow the cream will rise to the crop. It, you know, regardless of how much pushing you're doing from behind. You know, sometimes you get in your own way. You're pulling your kid out of a program too soon to go to another program because your kid's not playing in X program and you think he may play in Y program. You know, I think we become a society of mitigating risk. We try to mitigate too much risk. And when you don't expose your child, you, you, you don't expose your child to the risk of not playing, you're not exposing your child to the possibility of failing. And I think we all need to be exposed to the possibility of failure because failure lights a fire in certain people, right? Like, you know, when my back's against the wall, when I feel like I'm close to the edge where I'm about to fail, you know, I'm going to kick a little harder to make sure I don't fall off that edge. You know, society of mitigating failure and mitigating risk. So what I, my, my biggest advice to parents is let your child play. You'll notice if your child's coming home and he wants to do more at home on his own or her own, or if, if they want to play in the backyard without you telling them to go onto the backyard, if they're asking for more, that's a great sign. That's a great sign. I think parents, all you can do is, is you put your child in the best possible environment to succeed. And by that, I mean, just keep a soccer ball or a basketball or a baseball or a football around them. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean an email to the coach or an email about playing time or moving your kid from one travel team to the next travel team to the next travel team to the next travel team. Cause you're never going to be happy. I find parents that move themselves over and over to different situations to try to find their perfect fit are never uh, happy because they, they never find that perfect fit. Cause they're always looking for something better. Whereas, you know, the kid that tends to stay in a certain place and, you know, maybe he's not, uh, maybe he or she are not the top players on the team, but they work hard enough to work their way up to the top. You know, I think there's a lot of value in that. Sure. The mental toughness, character, patience, yeah. simplicity. And for kids, like, you know, you mentioned my advice for kids and athletes is I asked myself, what would I tell myself again at 14, 13, you know, when I was like just about to hit high school, I'd work harder. I'd work harder. I'd go on longer runs. I'd push heavier weight. If I, you know, I do, you know, heavy weight for less rep just to, get myself mentally strong. I would do more on my own. You know, I think we, again, like I said, there is a, um, there's a crisis of people trying to mitigate risk in society now. And I think there's also a uh, crisis of laziness in society right now, where we become, uh, we become comfortable waiting for things to happen to us. Right. Where like, where motivation falls in my lap. You know, motivation doesn't fall in your lap to get out of your house. You got to get out of your house on your own. You got to find it. You got to go out and, you know, you may not find it on your first mile. You may, you know, may get that runner's high on that second mile, but you're never going to know until you take that first mile, you know? So I think athletes have to do more on their own. And this is huge. I think with social media, everybody now is the GOAT. Everybody now is the greatest of all time, right? A kid scores one goal in a game against an opponent that's not as strong. You know, he's got seven people telling him he's the greatest uh, soccer player of all time. You know, and you start to believe the hype. You start to buy into the hype. Don't buy into the hype. You know, always strive for better. Always strive to be better than you were the week before or the month before or the year before. I think we become uh, complicit in the small achievements that we achieve. You know, there's too many pats on the back, I think, right now. And you're not allowed to really kind of get that kick in the butt like you used to back in the day. You know, so I think you have to push kids to realize that there's, there's more, there's more that you can accomplish out there. Cool, man. Hey, thank you so much for being on this morning, Raphael Viana. Go to soccer, my man. Thank you, Todd, man. I appreciate you having me on and uh, I look forward to, uh, to speaking to you more often, man. 100.
All right, awesome. Peace and love, brother. Later, man. Thank you for listening to another episode of Eye on the Prize. Your feedback is how we grow, so please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. And if you want to know even more great information, go to eyeontheprize.com. Eye on the Prize.